That song brings back some memories from seems like a long time ago. <clears throat> I'd never heard of that song before until one time my daughter and my years later to be daughter-in-law was here, of course, sang that as a special and they would sing it every once in a while. When we were in the little building over there on West Young Street, sharing one bathroom, sitting in Carolina blue chairs. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were not as comfortable as these pews, I can assure you that. Some of you never had the privilege of knowing what it's like to sit in those things, but, you know, I don't know. I think there may be a still a remnant of those sitting around over at Calvary somewhere. So, you know, if you, if you would desire to sit in one for an hour, you know, I could probably arrange to get you one. But anyway, uh, those, are, those are some things that, that uh, do remember about that. But anyway, here we are tonight. Um, go to turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 1. And I'm going to read the first chapter to get started. And tonight we're looking, looking at assurance by fellowship. Assurance by fellowship. 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Of course, it's obvious he's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. For the life was manifested, we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word, it is not in us. So again, the title of the message, Assurance by Fellowship. And it's obvious, as we read this passage, that fellowship is something that's possible. But as we're going to see tonight, it's not only possible, it's something that God desires. And so let's pray and we'll look in Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege we have to open your word. We thank you for the encouragement that we receive from it and how it challenges our hearts. And I pray that as we look into the word of God tonight, that we would be encouraged and we'd come to full assurance of faith. And Lord, if there's any that do not have that assurance tonight, and I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, have your will and way in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, so many people are concerned about their standing before God. You know, most people have some measure of concern about that, that, you know, what's going to happen to me when we leave this life? What happens after death? You know, there is always some measure of that for the vast majority of people. There may be a few, but, but you know, when you, whenever you face death, I mean, really face death, it changes your thinking. Uh, you know, I was reading, uh, trying to remember what it, what it was. I think it was the a portion of the book that Chris Kyle, 
wasn't it Chris Kyle? Uh, his wife wrote concerning him, and, and you know they these they 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 make it sound like these suicide bombers uh, of the you know Muslim suicide bombers are fearless. But he said that's not true. He said their pumps so full of dope that they don't know what they're doing. He said they're because they're scared to death to die. Um, that's the reality of it. But, you know, they act like they're not afraid, but they really are. Uh, and so, you know, this is, this is always a concern that people have. And are, and, but so many times, though, people are afraid or unwilling to really seek to know how they can have assurance of eternal life because there is a cost. There is a cost associated with it. In Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, and that cost, of course, is discipleship. Luke 14 and verse 26, 27, says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And so who doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then verse 33, So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So there, there has to be a seeking, a forsaking of what our desires are for the will of God if we are going to be a disciple of Christ, if we are going to walk with the Lord. And, and it is true that, as Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together? You know, if you're going to have fellowship with somebody, it's going to be somebody that you agree with. If you're going to work together, you have to have some common goals in your work. You have to have some common goals. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to go to war or fight for somebody, you want to make sure that their goals are something that you can agree with. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't risk your life for somebody you don't agree with at all. You, would, you just wouldn't do that. And, and so... You know, Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? So, as we think about that, and again, the, the whole book of 1 John is about fellowship. And fellowship is what, the fruit of fellowship is assurance. That's also taught in this book. But it's the fruit of fellowship. You know, John starts out saying in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So, so we need to understand that fellowship is a result of, uh, or assurance is a, fellowship, is a result of fellowship with the Lord. Uh, you know, there are, there are a list of things, you might say, in this book that the Bible gives as indicators of maybe our fellowship with Him. But, you know, we can, we can do those things on the outside, and that doesn't necessarily make us in fellowship with God. You know, uh, there are other lists in the Bible. and In Second Peter, there's, a, there's quite a lengthy list. Uh, there's a list concerning the loss, describes loss in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, such as do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, it talks about drunkenness and defiling themselves with mankind and so on and so forth. You know, all those things. Uh, shall not, you know, let's talk about those, those practices, things. But, you know, you think about that. What about Judas? 
When he walked with the Lord and with the disciples, I mean, he went, he went with them. You know, Jesus sent them all out two by two, and Judas went with them. So he had appearance of walking with them, doing the same things they did, and yet, in his heart, he was not really in fellowship with them. Now, the Bible tells us in John that he had to bag and put and bear, meaning he helped himself. In other words, he was a treasure. You know, he was, the others so trusted him so much, they allowed him to be the treasurer for the group. And then John tells us that, you know, of course, he wrote later, looking back on the fact that Judas buried the bag, carried the bag, and bear. In other words, he helped himself to what was put therein. Judas had other motives um, that were not pure. So, but the fruits, you see, the fruits of walking in fellowship are produced from within, again, from within, from the heart, as, as we mentioned this morning. It's not just something we do on the outside. It's something that comes from the heart. It's the work and presence of the Spirit as we yield in obedience to the Lord. To the Lord. So, uh, John is pointing out that we can have fellowship with the Lord. And, and if we're going to, you know, again, we've got to walk in agreement uh, with him if we're going to have fellowship with him. So I want to notice three things tonight. First of all, the desire for fellowship here in chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, that which we have seen and heard declaring you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. John is saying, look, and of course he's writing under the inspiration of God, so this is God's message to you and I, that God wants you to have full joy, He wants you to be in fellowship with Him, and that's how we can have full joy, is to walk in fellowship with the Lord. Walk in agreement with Him, to not be at odds with Him in our spirit and in our walk with the Lord. You know, so this is God's desire. This was God's desire for man from the beginning. He created Adam and Eve, different than all the animals, created them in His image so that He could have fellowship. He created them with a spirit so that they could relate to a God who is spirit. Your animals don't have spirits. Sorry to all you animal lovers who think the animals are going to live forever. They don't have eternal spirits. They have feelings. That's the soul is the seat of the emotions, the feelings. You know, I've, I've even animals have a soul. Plants don't even have souls, you know. You know, these environmentalists that think trees hurt. Sorry, trees don't hurt. <laughs> they don't have feelings. When you cut them off, they don't say, ouch. <laughs> uh, you know, a dog will say ouch, they whine or bark or, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, but, but, you know, no, man was created different with the capability of fellowship with God. And God made him with a desire for fellowship. That was God's desire. And so, uh, this, is, this is God's desire for us, that we might have fellowship with him. 
Verse 5 says, This then is the message you have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in light, we have fellowship one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So this is the desire of the Lord. It was the, this is the desire of the Lord, is to have fellowship with the Lord. You know, it says also by design. Fellowship is by design, by his design. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. That you sin not. Now, is there any of you that sin not? Maybe I should say it this way. Is there any of us that sin not? Now, we know the answer to that is no. It doesn't stop there. He says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate. In other words, we have a mediator, one who goes between us and God, intercedes for us with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, it's God's design to restore us. That word propitiation means satisfaction, really means satisfaction or atonement. God made atonement or made, you know, you could break down the word atonement with at one meant or at one with. And, and so it's through the atonement that God has brought us into oneness with himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the propitiation. He's the one that satisfied God's righteousness on our behalf. So why did God do that? Because he desires a relationship. He desires fellowship with his creation. With man. That's, that was his purpose in redemption. Was to bring back man back into fellowship with him. That which was lost in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. That relationship was severed and that fellowship was lost because of man's sin. And, and, but, and, and now it's been restored in whole. You know, it's, they're not, we're not just waiting for what needs to be done. It's already been done. You know, the Old Testament saints, they kind of waited for this, this full atonement. You know, lambs could, lamb, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. They could never, they could never bring somebody into the presence of God. That's why the, the uh, you know, paradise in the Old Testament was in the heart of the earth. And, and Jesus led captivity captive. They were captive there until Jesus died on the cross and he emptied that place. And, and now to, 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 to be absent the body is to be present with the Lord because Christ has come and has died. He has satisfied God's righteous man, uh, demand for sin, and has brought us into full and complete fellowship with him. That's his design. It's to restore fellowship. It's to restore it. And, you know, as we, and as it says in verse 7 of chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, if we say, we who are saved, if we say that I have fellowship with him, we're not talking here about relationship. We're talking about fellowship. If we takes it for granted that we are God's children. So John is writing, I believe John's writing to a church. He's writing to Christian people, saved people, and he say, look, 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we're lying. And do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Look at chapter 2 and then verse 3. Hereby we do know. You know, here comes the assurance. Hereby we do know that we know him. How do we know? How do we know that we know him? If we keep his commandments. Verse 4, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. So we're not walking in fellowship. We're walking in darkness, verse 4. is not keeping his commandments. It says, liar, truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in other words, who obeys his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. So there's growth there. And there's a, there's a, there's a growing closer to God and fellowship with him. Uh, hereby know we that we are in him. So here's how we know. If there's love of God being perfected, if there's growth in our life, if we're walking with the Lord and, and in fellowship with him, you know, the, the more you walk with a person, the more fellowship you have, with, the better you know them. So, Again, this is God's design. Our fellowship, or obedience, or lack thereof either assures us or condemns us. But God wants us to know. He wants us to know. Uh, chapter 3. Uh, well, drop down to chapter uh, verse 11. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh. So there you, there you have that word walk again. And we talked about, you know, except uh, uh, two walk together. How can two, how can, um, and what's the word, I'm trying to remember how, uh, uh, Amos 3.3. 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? So, so you're, we're walking contrary. If, you're, if you hate your brother, you're in darkness. You're, you're not walking in darkness. You're walking contrary to, to the Lord. And knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. And he says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's six, and, and so on. So, so there's a walk here that's required. Chapter 3, again, verses 1 through 10. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Doth not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope, the hope of his coming, in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Now, there's a very important word here. Abideth. It's sort of like saying you're walking in agreement. Can two walk together except they be agreed? So if you abide... It means like you uh, has the idea of dwelling together. There's unity between you. So, whosoever abideth him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the level, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, or made, revealed, and the children of the devil. 
Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, this can be a troubling passage for some, because it's, it, you know, to some people it says, well, if you commit a sin, you're of the devil. Is Moses, did Moses commit any sins? And we see him, even in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Hebrews 11. You know, he's spoken of a lot throughout the Bible in very favorable light by God. You know, there's not a just man on the earth that sinneth not. We know that to be true. The word commit here has the idea of practice. Not something you do one time, once, and then you, you, you're convicted about it and you confess it. You know, again, if you go back to 1 John 1, 9, if we, let's take for granted that we're talking about saved people, if we confess, in other words, we agree with God, that word confess means to agree with, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God is looking at us through the Lord Jesus Christ, and he, what he's saying is, look, if a person's life or their lifestyle is one of sin and wickedness, they're not born of God. They're not truly saved. If that's their practice, you know, we have people who promote immoral lifestyles and yet call themselves Christians. How can that be? And if you go to, and again, that, that's, that's the idea of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in verses 9 through 11, where Paul spells out very clearly to the church of Corinth, Know you not, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. He used that again, unrighteous. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abuses themselves of mankind. And it's talking about the homosexuals, the, you know, the bu- or, uh, effeminate, you know, would be kind of on along the line of the transgenders today. But he says, nor thieves. You know, somebody that's a, a consistent thief. That's their life. That's their practice. You know, we, we, we read about people in the Bible who stole things. You know, David stole a man's wife. But he didn't steal lots of men's wives. You know, it wasn't his practice throughout his life. In fact, he, he repented of it. And, he, and he, talked, he tells about his repentance in Psalm 51 and also Psalm 38. How he was guilt-ridden because of his sin. And then he confessed his sin. And he, had, he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done evil in thy sight. You know, it wasn't his practice. It wasn't his lifestyle commit these kind of things. But you know what? It was the lifestyle of the Canaanites. It was the lifestyle of the Canaanites. It was the lifestyle of some in the book of Judges. And so, when we read 1 John 3, he's talking about here a practice or a lifestyle. Lifestyle. You know, love is not just words of the tongue or vain rhetoric. Love is an as acts, also acts, deeds. You know, the Bible tells us in, in chapter 3 that we're to, to love in, in deed and in truth. 
And, and so, you know, it, it, the word deed there means is any kind of act which is, with which one is occupied. So what kind of words and deeds are occupied or common with you? That speaks about our spiritual condition. What kind of words and deeds are we occupied with or are common to us? Common to us. Uh, you know, anything that we do, I do as a child of God, is be done with love, guided by truth. Even correction. Even correction. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He chasteneth. And so, this is God's design to have fellowship with us. And these are, these are things that, 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 uh, uh, you know, God gives us in His Word, and through these, gives us assurance of that fellowship. So we see that this fellowship is by His design. It's, it's by His Spirit. You know, it's, it's given us by His Spirit. If you notice in uh, chapter 3, and verse 24, He that hath His commandments and dwelleth, dwelleth in Him. There's that word dwelleth has the same kind of idea of abiding in Him, or walking with Him. Speaks of a consistency. And he in him, hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. So again, it's not what we do necessarily. It's what the spirit of God bears witness to in our life. By the things we do. Which come from a heart. From the heart. You know, Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. So as we obey the Lord, being constrained by the love of Christ. You know, Paul said, The love of Christ constraineth me. Or in other words, it compels me. It works in my heart. As we put the Word of God in our minds, we're new reminders, we talked about it this morning, and it gets in our hearts, and, and that's a compulsion, you might say, or, 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 or something that drives us to please the Lord, to obey Him. And, and this is really what he's writing about here in, the, in these chapters of 1 John. You know, this, and, and through all that, the Spirit of God bears witness then that we are the sons of God. It's not just outward acts. No, it's acts done under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. So, again, this, this fellowship then, thirdly, is maintained by His direction. It's maintained by His direction. Uh, you know, somebody could say, you know, again, you cannot force God to give you assurance. You could work and work and work and work and work at it. On your own effort. It doesn't come by your own effort. It comes by walking with the Lord in your heart. It comes from a heart. It's right with God. Now, if your heart is right with God, there's going to be things that you're going to do. As I said this morning, it comes from inside out. For God worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 tells us. So, you know, a person might say, well, I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I ask him to give me assurance. 
That's not how you get it. That's not how, by the way, you don't get it. It's given to you. Just like eternal life is given to you, assurance of eternal life is given to you by God when you walk in fellowship with him. It is automatic when we walk with him. Look at chapter 5. Chapter 5. Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. There's that idea again, sinneth not. In other words, his life isn't described by sin. Um, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Um, and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So he says, we know. And again, how do we know? Well, go back to chapter 3 and verse 24. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby, by dwelling in him, hereby we know that he abideth in us. By his Spirit, which he hath given to us. So assurance then comes by the giving of the Spirit, bearing witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. See, see again, so sure, assurance of salvation comes through our fellowship with him and it's automatically given to us by God. You know, anytime we, anytime we sin against God or commit a sin against a person that's against God, we break fellowship. We break fellowship. We hinder our fellowship with the Lord. And if we don't confess that sin, we're going to continue to hinder that fellowship. You know, David, David, when he sinned, he took, you know, Bathsheba and... And, uh, and then had Uriah killed. It's believed, uh, according to most commentators, that probably there was a year between the time that he committed that act of sin and he, he repented. And, and you, know what? You, know what he, you know what he did? He, he, he committed the act of adultery and then to try and cover it up, he committed more sins. He kept sinning, trying to hide it. Until Nathan came to him and said, Thou art the man. But you know, the whole time, you read about that, and, and Psalm 38, he said, My bones waxed old. Oh, he, was, he was fearful. He was under guilt. He knew he had sinned against God, but he wanted to try and keep it from being found out. 
He didn't want to admit it. And then he said, restore unto me what? The joy of my salvation. You know what? He had lost his assurance. Why? Because he wasn't a saved man? No, because he was not walking in fellowship with God. For a year. For a year. So, again, look at chapter 20. Again, this, 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 is, a, this is a result of the, the abiding presence of the Spirit of God. Chapter, not chapter 20, chapter 2, verse 20. Chapter 2, verse 20. He says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. And then verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, need not that any man teach you, but... But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and it is truth, and it is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. So you need to abide in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what God has given us, this anointing of, the, of Himself, you know, the Spirit of God, to teach us, to open understanding that we might receive the truth, and to abide in us. But you know what? We can quench that Spirit. We can quench Him. We can grieve Him. We can say no to him by disobeying his leading us in obedience to the word of God. And when we do, there's a break in fellowship. Which causes an uncertainty in assurance. Can, can cause an uncertainty in assurance. So... So as we think about assurance then, again, this assurance is something that is automatic when we walk with the Lord. When we walk with the Lord. Your proverb, or Psalm 10.4 says, The wicked through the pride of his countenance would not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. In other words, the wicked... They don't consider God in their intentions. They don't consider God in their purposes. And they don't consider the counsel of God. You know, what is our practice, our common, everyday actions, attitudes, and thoughts? Is God in them? You know, if we want to have the assurance of our salvation we want to walk in fellowship with God, God's got to be in those thoughts. Your Colossians 1 tells us that in all things He might have the preeminence. He is the Lord. He is the one that ought to direct our lives. He ought to direct our thought processes. You know, to really, to fellowship means to share which one has in anything. It's participation, intimate participation. It's a closeness. And it's that fellowship with Lord that brings about the assurance, the confidence that God desires that each of us have in Him. But again, it's something that comes, that's given to us. By God. When we walk in obedience to Him. Notice, notice you know, right after, you know, John tells us in chapter 1 that we may have fellowship. 
we may have full joy. And then in chapter 2, immediately, what's he start telling us? Hereby we do know that we know him. We keep his commandments. Whoso keepeth his word in him, verily this love of God perfected. So we're walking in, a, you know, to walk in fellowship means we're really walk, we're walking in obedience. Because if we don't walk in obedience, God is not going to be, we're not going to be, you know, we, we, we could, you know, we say we hope God's on our side. No, no, no. We need to be on God's side. God isn't going to change. If we move to, and do something that's, that's contrary to his word, God isn't going to change. He's going to keep on walking that same straight way. That same straight path we talked about this morning. No, we need to stay on that same straight path with him if we want to walk in fellowship with him. And we want to have the assurance of his presence in our life. You picture it this way. Okay, you disagree with God, you disobey God, he keeps on walking and you go in a different direction. Do you have then his presence in your life? The answer is no. You're at odds. You know, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, um, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace, what's the next word? Of. Of God. It's not peace you create. It's peace that God gives you. When you cast all your care upon him. It's the idea there. And the same is true with assurance. God gives us assurance when we walk in fellowship with him. God's presence is with us. When we walk in fellowship with him, when we turn away in disobedience, God continues on, but we lose his presence. We lose. The sad thing is, the reality is, if we're saved, the Spirit of God goes with you. But the knowing of his presence and power does not. Just like Samson. Samson played with sin. And after they cut his hair, and Delilah said, The Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he thought he would go out and shake himself as he did before. But the Bible says he wist not. He didn't give consideration to the thought that, you know, the Spirit of God who gives me power might depart from me if I don't obey him. Now, we know in the New Testament the Spirit of God dwells in us. He's a permanent residence. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But we can lose the sense of His presence and we can lose His power. By our grieving Him. So do you have assurance of your salvation tonight? Are you walking in confidence in him. Again, that assurance comes. I guess the better question we could ask is, are you walking in fellowship with the Lord? Walking in fellowship.
with the Lord.